This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. Yeah. Psalm 63. Let's turn Psalm 63. Psalm 63. I put on a church group last night, yesterday, and I uh, just wanted to read it as we go on. I want to teach about when bad things happen. It's one of the most difficult messages that the honest pastor can ever preach. It's an easy way to preach the message, right? There's an easy way to preach the message. And I can take advantage of the human tendency for hope and aspiration to preach it the easy way out. And just tell you lies and make you feel good and go. Guess what? It works for a lot of people. Because a lot of people just want any semblance of hope and they will hold on to it and they will keep at least for a long time until you are no more the pastor's problem. At least you know you are around during the period where you are holding on and you are giving offerings and everything. So it's a very, very difficult cover. The honest teaching of this message is extremely difficult. Because this message has not been taught well, has been, not been taught in the full honesty of the message, not according to the way the epistles actually teach it, the way Jesus actually teaches it, that a lot of people have found that the answers that were given over time was not correct and they got offended. Teaching the message the wrong way, easy in the easy way, is like using cello tape to hold your car engine together. It will look good for a while, but once you move 100 meters, it will break down. Hallelujah. Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. You, God, are my God. That means he says, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being, my every part of my person longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water where there is no alternative all of inside of me everything in this world is a dry land and a parched land and everything inside of me is looking for you verse 2 says i have seen you in the sanctuary and i have beheld your power and glory this was the days when the holy spirit was not even inside of a man and the presence of God could be seen in a place, in a physical place. He says, I'm a man that thirsts after you, and I saw, I can see it. I see your glory. I see your power when I'm in the sanctuary. He now says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you, and I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of fruits. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Hallelujah. This is a man that is in a dry and a parched land. This is a man that is thirsty and things around him are not working. He says the love of God is sweeter to me than life. I just want you, Lord. Because the man has recognized something. He says, I'm thirsting after you and then something happens. I will see your power and glory in the sanctuary because your love is better than life. This is the song of a man that is going through some terrible things and what happened to him 
was that he began to thirst for God and he saw God. And because he saw God, he tasted the love of God. He saw the power and the glory of God. He tasted the love of God. And he found out that the love of God is more satisfying than anything in this world. So that's why problems can be around him, but his mouth can be full of praises to God. Because he has tasted something that is extremely satisfying. Something that is more satisfying than anything in this world. That even when he's in the dry and the parched land, this thing, he has found it to be more satisfying. Praise God. My sincere prayer for everybody here is that you will behold the power and the glory of God this morning and it will satisfy you beyond your expectations. The Holy Spirit will satisfy you this morning beyond your expectation and you will understand why this message is a hard message because there is no answer to this issue other than the satisfaction that the fellowship with God gives. Did you hear what I just said now? Did you hear what I just said now? <laughs> Let me not jump ahead of myself. I'm going to tell you five things this morning. I'll teach you five things this morning. The first thing I'll, I'll teach you is the understanding of why painful things happen in this world. Are you writing with me? Please write it down. These are the five things that you must leave this place with understanding. The first thing is that you must understand why painful things happen. You have to understand the reason why it happens. Understanding the reason will not solve your problem necessarily, but it's good that you first understand why. Why these things happen. See, let me tell you one interesting thing. When some terrible things happen in your life, hmm? when some terrible things happen in your life, you will need answers. You will need answers. Whether you are a Christian and you believe or not. Every philosophy in this world, every ideology, every worldview, they all have their own answers to these questions. So don't think that Christianity is the only one that is trying to form answer. Every ideology in this world tries to give a reason for this. But the only one that is coherent and is corroborated by the evidence is the Christian answer. It is the only one that is coherent and corroborated. And it is the only one that satisfies the soul. I get what I'm saying. Some other ones will tell you that life is ultimately meaningless. So all the bad things that are happening to you are ultimately meaningless. So stop. That's just life. Life is meaningless and so things are happening. But when bad things happen to you, does it feel meaningless to you? Does your life feel meaningless? A conscious agent that is able to do things, have hope and create joys and create joys in the lives of other people and receive joys. You see, all the things that happen to him is meaningless. Does that make sense? Church, all together. You will understand why painful things happen. Number two, you will understand that Jesus is touched by our pains and he actually takes our pains away. You will understand. The second thing is you will understand that Jesus is touched by our pains. Jesus is not indifferent to our pains. Jesus is not unlooking like our pains, at our pains. He is touched by it. He bears our pain. 
Number three, you will see how Jesus helps us to take our pain from our inside by working on our inside, in our inner man. How Jesus takes our pain away by working in our inner man. That's number three. Number four, you will understand how Jesus takes away our pain by taking it on the outside, away. By taking away those things on the outside. By delivering us and taking those things away from the outside. Jesus takes away our pain by working on our outside. And number five, you will understand why there is no way to be comforted outside of the Holy Spirit. There is no way philosophy cannot comfort you. When some terrible things happen, philosophy cannot comfort you. All the drugs in the world cannot comfort you. All the alcohol in the world cannot comfort you. All the marijuana in the world cannot comfort you. All the sex in the world cannot comfort you. They cannot comfort you. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can actually do this comforting. And you'll see why. Hallelujah. Number one. Why do painful things happen? Genesis chapter 3. I pray for you so much that you're going to understand this morning. And I've thought on this before. There's no time to read the whole chapter. But I'm sure we all know the story. How many, everybody knows the story of Genesis chapter 1 to 3, right? We know that God created everything well. God created everything. And at the end of chapter 1, he said everything he created was what? Good. In chapter 2, we know that if he put man in the Garden of Eden. And after he put man in the Garden of Eden, he looked at everything and said it was good. Then he created a partner and a spouse for Adam, isn't it? And both of them were supposed to walk on the earth. And the Bible says that one man, a man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become what? One flesh. Then we know what happened in chapter 3. The serpent came. And the Bible says that he was the wisest of all the creatures. And he was in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says that he asked Eve that did the Lord say that you will not touch of this tree? And Eve said no. The Lord said we can touch of all the trees. He said the Lord said you will not touch of any of these trees. And then Eve said no. The Lord said we can eat of all the trees except this one. In chapter 2 we know that God from chapter 2 we know that God puts two trees unique trees in the garden of Eden. One tree was the tree of life. One tree was the knowledge was the tree of the knowledge of good and what? And then Eve said, God said, it's only that one we should not touch. And then the serpent said, God is essentially a liar. Because what God is, what actually happened is that when you eat of it, you will become like God and you'll be able to tell good and evil. And then Eve looked at the tree again and now noticed that this tree is actually very good. And then she ate of it. And the Bible says that her eyes now actually did what? Open. And then God showed up and, the, sorry, the husband also too went there and also what? Ate. That's why patriarchy always wins, but what? Matriarchy determines decay. Hallelujah. Men will eventually do what women want. That's message for another day. Let us continue. <laughs> then the Bible now tells us that God shows up and these people are beginning to hide from God. And God says, why are you hiding? He said, because we are ashamed. Have you done the thing I said you should not do? The husband said, it is the woman that you gave me that made me do what? Do it. Now, this is what this is something Genesis chapter 3. 
And then God now says, woman, what happened to you that you did this thing? What have you done? And the woman said, it was the serpent that did what deceived me and I ate. From verse 14. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We cannot go into all the types and shadows that this chapter represents. I have to focus because a lot can be said. But let me focus on the important thing. Verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So he says something will happen to you, the woman. Your body will become in such a way that when you are giving birth, it will become painful. And because of that, you will become dependent on your husband. So you will need your husband to protect you, to provide for you. So you will need your husband. Praise God. And so, let me just continue. I'll put everything together. Verse 17. And to Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit and the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So the ground now received a curse, a limitation. Such that when man is working on it, before it will bring forth food for man, man will do what? Exert himself. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Then Adam named his wife Eve, because she will be the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam, his wife, and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us. Do you see that? After the man actually did evil and fell, he now became like one, or, that means he now became like what? God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. The Jews that did not know, that did not believe in the Trinity until Jesus came and revealed, were they not suspicious when God is calling himself us? It's just a thought. Were they not suspicious? Think about it. If you're a Jew and you say he's the only he's the God, then, yeah. and then Jesus now comes and says, actually, we are three, but we are one person. Shouldn't you be suspicious? Even if Jesus never revealed himself, right? Just looking at it and you see God saying, let us, you have become like us. Nah, waiting they happen. Praise God. Now, we've seen the story together, Abby. Now, let me explain what is happening here. I've taught it before. It was a series I used to teach it. Uh, those that, are, that will not be able to really benefit from the abridged version I'm about to say now. What's the name of it? What's the title again? Eh? Thank you very much. These are good that are going to church. There's a series, Creations Earnest Expectations. Go and check it on our YouTube or the group page. You'll see the series where I explained it very well. Do you understand that? I explained it properly. But let me just tell you the abridged version. There are two interesting things that happened in succession to each other that explain coherently everything that we see in this world the way it is and why painful things happen. The first thing is God said he created everything good yet he created a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and put it in the garden and then he allowed the serpent to be able to enter the garden and everything was good. Why? What kind of God is that? 
And then the Lord opened my eyes to understand that the possibility, the presence, the possibility of evil is actually what made everything good. I will explain. Relax. Just hear what I'm saying. The possibility, now not that evil has happened, but the possibility of evil is what made everything good. How can that be? It sounds paradoxical, isn't it? Let me explain why. This is the reason why. A human being like you and I, that is able to make decisions, that is able to do things, that is able to conceive things and make them happen, that is able to make choices and say, I want to do this, I will not do this, is a better human being, is good, compared to a human being that is a robot that cannot make choices. A human being will always be better than a robot who disagrees. Would you rather be a robot or be a human being as you are? But there was no way that we could have been human beings like this who can make choices if God created us and he didn't give us the choices. Do you understand what I just said now? Imagine God created a, 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 a garden. Imagine you create a human being and you say, I've created you in my image. You have the ability to make choices like me. If I have made you like me, you can make choices. But you have only one choice. Who is lying to who? Who is deceiving who? Like say, ah, I'm inviting you guys for a buffet. Everybody come for a buffet, come for a buffet. It's going to be an awesome time because everybody knows that a buffet is better than... Buffet is good, right? Everybody come for a buffet and all that and all that. And then people shop at the buffet. And the only thing there is Gary. He said, choose whatever you want. Choose. You can choose anything you want. Have anything you want. But it's only Gary that is there. Is that not being deceitful? God now says, I've created you in my image. I can give you, I give you the ability to be like me, to make choices. And then you don't give them an opportunity to be able to choose not to do what you want. You are just lying to them. They are not human beings. They are human robots. Do you understand that? So, God in his faithfulness, God in his holiness, God in his justice, found that it was important that I've created these people and I want them to have life. I want them to be like me. But it is important that I am not raping them. I'm not forcing them. That's why rape is an egregious thing. It is a great evil. It's like a fundamental twisting of God's intention for humanity. When you take something from someone without the person's consent, even God does not do it. It's a great evil. You know what I just said now? That's why personally, I believe that if you rape someone, they should castrate you. I'm not joking. Rape a woman, rape a... They should just... I mean, left to me. You know what I'm saying? God says, I will not create you and put you in a bondage that you can only do what I want. There's no pleasure in that. I can't even have fellowship with you. I want you to understand the kind of fellowship that the Trinity has in eternity. That means you must be able to choose. So he gave them an option. So it was not the possibility, the option 
to do evil was important for human beings to be good. Do you understand? It was not the pleasure of the Father. It did not please God that men chose to do evil. But it pleased God that men have the option and choose Him instead. Do you understand that? Unfortunately, man decided to choose to do evil. Church out together. Unfortunately, man decided to choose to do evil. And then when man chose to do evil, something happened. It means that man had set himself on a path where he now had, in a real sense, the capacity and the capability to do evil. Man now had the ability to do evil. That's when man now received the ability and the nature to kill other people, to take from other people, to conceive wickedness and to do it. To decide that you want to rebel from God and want to be on your own. Man now had the ability to do that. But the thing is that a man that has the ability to do great evil cannot have eternal life. Because a man that has the ability to do great evil and has eternal life is, is a more evil man than a man that has the ability to do great evil and does not have eternal life. Do you understand that? Let me explain what it means. The English is too much. Example I always use to make it come to your mind easily. Imagine a Hitler that can never die. Imagine a Hitler that can never fall sick. Do you understand better now? Do you understand better now? Between a Hitler that can never die and can never fall sick and a Hitler that can fall sick and die, which one would you choose? So, you know what God now did? He now did two things. That's what happened there. The first thing he did was that he put a limitation on the body of man so that man can die and go back to the dust. Then he put a limitation on the earth so that man will have to toil to get benefits from the earth. Do you know what God was doing? Because when we read it, we say, and God cursed man. And this is one of the arguments that Satanists have. This is one of their propaganda that Satanists have. Do you know what Satanists will say? They say, well, the God that now cursed us and limited us and everything. Do you know God was actually doing Adam and Eve a favor? Do you understand that? He was doing Adam and Eve a favor. It was actually the goodness of God being demonstrated when he did this. Because if he had not said, take of the knowledge of, take of the tree of life, so that you two can be mortal, you can never die, you can never fall sick, and just do like this to the earth, palm, whatever you want to come out of it, and you are capable of evil. That means you will not be doing evil all the days of your life. You will never fall sick, you will not be doing things just for evil. So, in order for God to limit evil, he had to limit man and the earth. Do you understand that? Because the more the resources you have you at your disposal and you are an evil person, the more the amount of evil you can do. A billionaire evil man and a poor evil man, they are not the same danger. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Do you understand what I just said now? A billionaire evil person and a billionaire and a poor evil man, they are not mates. Because the billionaire evil man has resources to do evil. And most importantly that people don't understand is that God actually created man for fellowship with him. That is the purpose of God. That is the purpose for which God created man. 
So imagine giving people that are capable of evil unlimited resources and unlimited life. They would never fellowship with God. That's why it's when you are suffering that your head used to correct. You know what I just said now? So God was actually doing us a favor. So everything that followed was the goodness of God in demonstration. That's why it will look funny that God first said, you, when you are giving birth, it will be painful. You, when you are, it's, when you are working, it will be painful. You, do you understand that? Imagine doing that and then you now say, after you have done that and said that to the person, you will now come and now say, um, ah, you are naked, let me cover you with animal skin. What kind of parents is that? He's cursing somebody and he's now taking care of you. You know, you can look at it as if, ah, this God is wicked. You look at it, he's just sowing for these people. No, he was not wicked though. Because God is good, he was doing us a favor. It's words that do not understand what he was doing. Did you get what I'm saying to you? He did it as a limitation to limit the amount of evil that we were capable of. These statements that we call curses, in quotes, were, were things that God did to limit evil. He did these things to limit evil until a certain time when death and evil and Hades will be completely dealt away with. So this was the mercy of God. God looked at it and looked at what we're capable of and I said, ha, I can't allow these guys to just be anyhow. I can't allow them to run mad. So I'm going to put limitations on them. I'm going to protect them by limiting them. It's like a child that you now say, ah, I know what this my child is, is capable of. I'm not going to give him a Ferrari. I'm not going to let him do some things until a certain time. It was God have in his mercy on humanity, protecting us until a certain time. And that's why everything that you see in humanity, this is where it comes from. Why is there patriarchy? Why will there always be patriarchy? Why will men always be physically bigger and stronger than women? And women will always be the one having children and nurturing children. This is where it comes from. Because now limitations has been put on the woman's body as she's nurturing, you are limited, you are not um, um, Athena. You are not Zeus that can be fighting, running 1,000 meters while you are fully pregnant. Do you understand that? You cannot be fighting one, killing one million people while you are heavily pregnant. You need someone to take care of you. That's where the entire structure of humanity comes from. You that are not nurturing, you have to take care of this one. So guess what? The one that is going to nurture will need the one that does not nurture. Do you understand? To protect and provide. And so, because humanity itself is now capable of great evil, both the one that is nurturing and the one that is created to protect the one that is nurturing, both of them, their head are not correct. So that's why the one that is protecting the one that is not nurturing can be misbehaving and be using the fact that, you know, he's not nurturing to be oppressing this one. Do you understand that? Did you understand what I just said now? And the one that is not trying also will be using all the abilities to also manipulate this one when she, when she can. All the things that you see is as a result of the limitation that God put on the earth. Why is it that you have to also to make money? It is because of this. Because if God had done it, that you should just do and money will show in your pocket and food will show in your pocket and iPad will come out of the air. You don't need to stress yourself. You... The number one thing that happens is that all of us will be obese. (laughs) 
We will never exert ourselves. We will never strain ourselves. And someone will now say, come to church. Come to what? Come to what? I cannot fall sick. I cannot die. Whenever I want anything, I get it. Come to where? To come and do what? <laughs> That's where sickness also comes from. Every sickness, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about apart from demonically caused sicknesses now, or you know, biological sicknesses, where they come from is because of the fact that your body is not immortal. By the time you go into the pathophysiology of every sickness, every sickness comes from the fact that your body cells can break down. When germs enter, your fever is coming from the fact that a germ has entered and is killing the cells in your body and which is the cells in your body are releasing chemicals that are going to your brain and making your brain to reset your body temperature in order to fight those things that are coming. So you call it what? Fever. Do you understand that? Pain happens when your nerve endings are exposed to something touching it because the cells covering the nerve endings can be destroyed. If your body could not be destroyed, you will never feel pain. If your body could not be destroyed, no germ will be able to enter and kill it and cause you to have sickness. So all these things that are happening are because you are a human being. Do you understand that? That's why I was saying that the easy answer to these questions, the easy answer to these questions are just, is just creating seed for offense in the future. It's easy for someone to come and tell you that, see, eh, Eh, is inside of you now, so you know what? You, your body is Superman's body. Your body is not Superman's body. That's why Paul was telling you that even though our outward man perish, our inner man is being renewed. What? Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, Jesus died so that my body can be Superman's body. I can never. It's not correct. If they drag you through the streets like Paul, you will die. If they flog you, you will bleed. Jesus, that was God in the flesh, did not say because of that, I'm going to jump from heaven, from the top of a mountain. Nothing will happen to me. He says, Satan, warn yourself. I'm not going to be testing God. You, you won't be testing God now because Jesus is inside of me. The person that is inside of you did not test God. You didn't hear what I said. Or you don't know that's what happened. They said, come and jump. Angels will catch you. He said, no, I cannot test God. I'm not supposed to come and be demonstrating something that does not make sense. That person is inside of you and now you, you are saying that, you know what, he can call you. I say, Holy Spirit inside of me, Jesus inside of me, I'm the one that created the world, so I can have her. And they say, see, don't try it. That's why I was, you see the way I was upset because a lot of things run through my mind. Someone in third trimester is saying, I'm going to fast for three days to receive power. What kind of thing are you doing? What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? There's an easy answer that I will hype you. And I will use a ritual and tell you there's power. Am I worthy? And it's a lie. Once you leave this place and your eye clear, you will see things. Some of you are okay. You can continue deceiving yourself, but some of us are not okay. Once something contrary to what you have said shows up, we will think about it and we will ask you questions. You understand what I'm saying to you? That's why painful things happen. Because human beings can choose to do evil. You cannot eat your cake and have it. 
Human beings must either have the nature of God or they don't. Human beings must either have consciousness, the ability to choose, or they do not. It's one of the two. So if human beings are going to have the ability to choose, some of them will be mad. And some of them will decide that they want to be doing evil. Some of them will decide that they want to be harassing women. Some of them will decide that because they are the boss in the office now, they want to be sexually harassing the people in the office. Some will say, I want to be stealing the commonwealth. Some will say, I don't want to work. I want to go and be collecting other people's property. Some will say, because I'm angry, I want to kill another person. Some will say, because this, I don't have any, any other place in my life where I have power, I will be the nanny of someone's child and I'll be beating the person's child to death. Some will wake up and say, I don't like the way these Jewish people are. They are too rich and I feel like they are not running my country. I'm going to kill 13 million of them inside gas chamber. Do you want robots or not? Choose one. Do you understand that? Church, do you understand that? Why is life so hard? Why must we hustle before we make money? Why do we have to work? Why is Lagos so crazy? Why is everywhere so hard? Why must everywhere, must everywhere we work? See, let me tell you something. This thing that he put on the earth is not in some countries more than some countries. Though. Because you think that ah, is, this course is more in Nigeria. It's not in America. That's why we have to go to Canada. That course is lower there. <laughs> my brother and my sister, there is no place where this thing is not manifesting in different ways. Though. We had a conversation yesterday with an American person that came to our house. She was telling us, ah, that country is the worst. Shabby, you people now, you can be in the trenches for like three months. You'll still be eating, you'll be sleeping, nobody will know except because you want to depress yourself. People will still be seeing you and they'll say you are beautiful, nobody knows your problem. Ah, there are some countries, if you lose your job for one month, eh? As your bills are piling up, your mortgage is piling up, everything is piling up, and you must find work. Because if you don't pay that bills, the rent is per month, they will kick you out of the house. As in, within one month, you can become homeless. You can wake up a big man with plenty billions in your account and you're paying one crazy mortgage and then you lose your job or you, something happens to you, you go bankrupt and then you become homeless. This cause is just manifesting itself in different ways in different countries. Do you understand that? There are some countries, the way they did it is that they've structured it such that in your life, you cannot go beyond some levels. You will just be walking every day from hand to mouth. They will give you credit card. You'll be borrowing money. As you're walking, you are paying this back. You are paying that's you. So you're just like a rat inside the maze. All you want is just eat, pay my bills, buy my house, my mortgage, let me just die. You can't go to church on Sunday because they tell you that if you come and work on weekends, we'll pay you double. People also called me yesterday and just telling us about the issue they're having with ministry in the UK. They don't come to church on Sunday. Why? They just change church to midweek. Because on Sunday, they will pay you double of what they pay you during the week. And everybody is thinking of mortgage. Everybody is thinking of bills. So everybody wants to go and work on Sunday. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. The only difference from, from country to country is that some countries have decided to try to manage this, this course so that it doesn't show too much. Right? You manage it so that it doesn't show too much and all that. But see, this thing is at work everywhere. Everywhere you go, men must exert themselves to get any kind of reward. Let me say it like this for you to understand. In every country, the only difference, the only way this thing can feel less on everybody generally is the measure to which men are willing to share 
of the efforts they have put on bringing out good from the earth with other people. Do you understand that? So those countries like Scandinavian countries that you say, ah, those countries, when you go there, they'll be giving you welfare, they'll be giving you this. Somebody's paying for it. It's because the people in that country agreed to share it with you. Somebody is working, sweating and paying tax, 50% of all his income to the government so that the government can share the money for you every month. If that country was like another country where people don't want to share their money, that's when you will know what trenches looks like. That's what's happening in Nigeria. Do you understand that? So any country where it feels like as if it is better is because that country, they have found a way to organize themselves so that people can share the burden of this issue. Will share the burden so that as you are working and creating value, when you have excess value than what you need, give somebody else. So there's no good country like that. Do you understand that? That's where everything is coming from. That's where everything is coming from. You see one idiots will go and you know be groping women. Is you know, as much as you just want to kill somebody, you have to recognize that God still has to give him free will. If not, there's no even possibility of salvation. Do you know that? You is somebody that can have free will that can decide to make Jesus his Lord and Savior. Do you understand that? That's where everything comes from. You say, Why is there? Yeah, is there patriarchy? Why is it that men are the ones, um, women are the ones that are always suffering more? Ah, that's just they say it's limitation of the body. So if we are our species are going to continue, one of us must give birth, and the other one must be what protecting and providing. Do you understand that? The two of us cannot be giving birth at the same time. If not, lion will have eaten all of us. And the two of us cannot be protecting at the same time. If not, nobody will give birth. Then it's the ones that are supposed to be protecting that don't have sense that now corrupt what God has given them to do what? That's where everything comes from. Think of a better alternative. That's what I want to say. One of the, you know, I'm going to come there. One of the major reasons why what happens is that sometimes we get angry at God. And that anger usually comes from an assumption that you could have done it better than God. But I swear to you, you don't have a better idea on how to do this thing. Try. Go and create your own model for how the world could work and submit it. I will critique it. It's not just too many people. Before God critiques it, me, I will critique it. I will show you that you cannot make a better world. You cannot. You cannot. Church, all together. But we don't have a God that created the world the way it is. I will now say, I am the great God. There is no one like unto me. Anything I like to do, I do. And there's nothing you can do. You know, he has the prerogative to say that. Anything I can do, I can. Anything I want to do, I do. And nobody can ask me a question. I will show you guys. After creating the world in the best possible way that the world could have been. You know, he now did. He now did not leave us and was indifferent to us. Isaiah chapter 53. Chapter 53. Sure, you're cooking good. You're cooking good. You're cooking good. Chapter 53. He says, Surely he took our pain 
and bore our suffering. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are what? Being tempted. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4 to 15. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not what? Sin. See, we don't have a God that just created us and is forming that he loves us and just left us to suffer in this world the way it is. He actually knows what we are going through because he became a man. He accomplished many things in his incarnation and suffering and death and resurrection. He accomplished so many things. One of the things that he accomplished is that for him to be just and to be the justifier of those that believe in him, he has to be able to say, you cannot say you are judging someone when you don't understand what that person has been through and how what that person has gone through and if you yourself could have done better. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I just said to you? Oh God, let me explain something to you about the way the law works. The reason why we can look at a behavior and judge that behavior and say you deserve to suffer is because we know that he could have chosen not to do it. And the reason why we know that he could have chosen not to do it is that we ourselves, we have been in that situation and we chose not to do something like that. Do you understand that? That's why armed robbery is so repulsive to you. That's why rape is so repulsive to you because it's not as if you don't have hands to go and kill somebody. It's not as if you don't have legs to go and rape somebody. But you chose not to. Why? What is wrong with you that you are doing it? Do you understand that? If we were in a world where nobody could overcome that temptation, then there will be no punishment for that sin. Do you understand that? Do you hear what I said? Do you understand what I just said now? That's why there's no law against fornication. Do you know why? Both the judge and the people, they are all fornicating. Do you understand that? You cannot make laws about a sin that everybody is suffering from. You cannot make laws about a sin that everybody is suffering from. So for me to say that what you have done is not good, it means that I have been in your shoes and I've, I know what it's what like to be in your shoes and I chose not to do it because I felt exactly what you felt. Let me bring it home for you to understand. You people think that Jesus was just one priest. He was just walking on the road and just saying God, the flesh and all that. And you think he never had sexual temptation. You think there were no girls around him that didn't like this. That were doing TikTok around him. You don't know. You think that Jesus was just like, ah, no, I'm a man of God. Jesus saw all those things. Do you really think that Jesus did not have the temptation to cut off somebody's head? You think all that time that Jesus Iscariot was doing nonsense and by word of knowledge, you saw what Jesus Iscariot was doing. You think he was just like, oh my God, I'm a very loving guy. (laughs) You have forgotten that the same one that used Koboko to flop people out of the temple. You think he doesn't know what he's gone through? It means that there's nothing you are going through that Jesus did not go through. Ah, one of the words of consolation. When that period of that Twitter dragging thing happened, you know it was not when you see people that don't like you are saying rubbish, it's fine. 
But when you now see people that are supposed to be your friends, saying things behind your back, saying evil things, hmm? one of the things that makes it easier for you to bear is knowing that even the God that is holding you account has gone through it before. That is the reason why if you are working in a company where they have not paid you guys salary, 10th, 7th, 7th, 10th, 11th of the following months, they've not paid the salary of the previous months, you'll be very angry. But when you hear that the CEO too has not been paid, you calm down. You're laughing, it's not true. When you know that the Oga and you were in the same trenches together, <laughs> they've not paid any of us. You know the way you come to the office angry will be different. You will yourself be concerned your God that are sorry. <laughs> because your own Bukata is even more. That's why we're working, you know? And that's why an God that has sins will not carry his carry mind that he has not paid his staff, then he will not be traveling abroad. If you see somebody like that, they're supposed to beat that person like a thief. They're supposed to beat, beat you. It makes it easier to bear. So, the person that you are serving is not like the God of some people. Say, when they say we're watching the same God, we are not, oh. Dr. Ravi used to say something. Religions are only superficially alike. They are fundamentally, they are very different. We don't, we're not worshiping the same God, though. The God that will stay, you know, wherever he is and be telling you, do this, do that. If you can't do it, I'll cut off your head. If you do it, you know, no, 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 right. You're talking about God made flesh that knows exactly what you have been through. If they've slapped you before, they've slapped him. You know, they even slapped him to death. Have they slapped you to death? You see, my family members don't believe in me. Jesus say, hold my communion. <laughs> see, my mother does not believe in me. My brothers don't believe in me. Hold my beer. Sorry, hold my wine. You see, the Pharisees are always twisting my message. And they are saying what I did not say. They are lying against me. I'm saying God's word. I be, I'm preaching the will of the Father. But the Pharisees are twisting it. And they are saying, I said... <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the club literally nothing that you are going through that Jesus did not go through hallelujah but it doesn't stop there he's now actively involved in taking away your pains and sufferings he's actively involved in taking away your pain and suffering there are two ways that he does it number one he does it by working on your inside Romans chapter 5 Romans chapter 5 from verse 1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ Through him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings How is it that somebody can be suffering and you'll be glorying in it? How is that possible? He says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance does what? Character. And character, hope. Ah, God. Holy Spirit, help me to say this thing very well. Suffering helps you to build your character. And character is what actually what gives you hope. Do you know why? When you go through some suffering, it actually makes you stronger on the inside. So God can actually use your sufferings to make you a stronger person on the inside such that the strength that you are developing on the inside is what gives you hope. 
And the way it gives you hope is by two things. Number one, one way that gives you hope is that it makes that suffering, it takes away the sting of that suffering from you when you have built character. You see, one of the reasons why um, I am the way I am today, where I can tell you guys all these things about materialism and all. Let me use examples because Apostle is using good examples. Let me give you a good example. One of the reasons why I can say what I've said, I've said today about materialism and greed and contentment and all these things that I'm saying today is because I'm not afraid of poverty. I've noticed that one of the issues, right, especially with a lot of ministers, and this is with all due respect and with all honor, no. but the reason why some people are holding on to prosperity gospel, that is the gospel that believes that everything is about money and all those kinds of things. Hmm? One of the reasons why they are holding on to it, you can see it, is a fear of poverty. Some people are afraid of not having money. They, are, they cannot imagine themselves not having money. They are so scared of it. So, whenever they look, filter, whenever they are looking at the Bible, all they are seeing is money, 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 money. Fear that puts in bondage. But you see, my own suffering has built character. You cannot scare me with poverty again. I grew up the child of a farmer. I know what it is like to be a respected family in the community and all you will have in the house is 100 naira. Thank God my siblings are here. How many of you have hawked soap to sell before? My siblings have done it. How many of you have sold pure water? How many of you have sold fish? How many of you have worked in the farm? Actual work in the farm, not um, this thing. Work in the farm, both animal and crop husbandry. Oh, sorry, is animal husbandry and crop science, whatever. How many of you have used your own hands to plant one acre of pineapples? I'm not talking about me's. Pineapple. With the suckers and all the edges on top. You finish your hands like this. How many of you have worked in poultry and pork and pigry? Wake up early in the morning, you see 100 pigs lying down. You and your sister and your brother carry your shorts from Mawashakiti. And your bucket of water, you fetch it, you wash it. Wash it, and you know pigs now. Wash it, wash it very clean. Wash it, your hand will be thick like this because the broom and the way you'll be scrubbing the floor. Have you ever used sweeping to gym before? are scared of the what is it when there's no money for school fees normal level normal level what it means for for you not to have money and your babe has money normal level so when i'm telling you that the value of a man is not the amount of money that he has it's not because i don't care i don't know what it's like you cannot scare me i can tell you the truth i you don't need to worship money because what God has done on your inside is something that is stronger than anything happening on your world. Suffering can build you to the point where what will be happening on your inside will be so strong that what is happening around you will not touch you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? How many people have testimonies that they are suffering that made them better? You know, some people are unfeeling. Some people don't know what other people are going through because they've never suffered. Do you understand that? 
Some people don't know what other people are going through because they've never suffered. Sometimes your suffering brings consolation to other people. Do you know that? Do you know that? Because Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, your own suffering can become a consolation, chapter 2, can become a, a consolation to other people. So, Paul says, we glory when we suffer. Do you know why? If you understand this thing, and you are, I'll tie everything up together, if you are doing it right, if the Lord, you are working with the Lord, there is a way that your sufferings can actually make you a stronger and a better person. And the Bible says that that character is actually what produces hope. Do you know why? Many people, many times, your hope is in your character. Many people, your future is actually as bright as your character is good. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Hey, God, please help me. When investors want to invest, hmm, those that have sense among the investors, the wise ones, they invest in the people, not in the idea. Your character is your hope. A man that has good character has a bright future. Do you know what I just said now? A man that has a good character has a bright future. So your character actually produces hope. You can look at a man, you can look at yourself and look at what God has done inside of you and say, based on what the Lord has done, I know I have a hope because it's just a matter of time I will surmount all these things around me. Do you understand that? Your character produces hope. When people are saying some things like saying that I always knew I would be where I am today. It's because of his saying, I've looked at what God has done inside of me and I know that it is just a matter of time. Do you hear what I just said now? Character produces hope. And that character comes from what's suffering. It makes you a stronger person. There are some things that God will allow you to go through it and then he will use it to make you stronger so that Satan cannot harass you again. It's like Satan now coming to come and tempt me with stealing church money because I'm afraid I'll not pay school fees. Not today. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I just said now? Come and tempt me with him. I should come and preach false message. Ah, I should come and preach a wrong message. I should preach the message. is a temptation. Preach the wrong message so that you can people can give you offering. Because ah, there's school fees, there's no bills, there's no food in the house. It is the person that has never suffered hunger that you can be scaring with hunger. People that have drank Gary, people that there was no food in the house, and because it's only poultry we have, we'll fry egg and his egg you'll be eating. You will eat egg till you till it nearly comes out of your nose. No food in the house, but swine flu has killed all the pigs in the air. Before the, the swine flu enters your farm, you slaughter like 10 pigs and there's no place to put it. You now fry everything like a, you fry everything hard and put basia of meat in the house because the, the pig must know that you now be eating pork meat. You will eat it till you are having headache. Is it now you want to tempt me with stealing money? Look for another temptation. Look for another temptation. Look for another one. It's not that one. I passed that one. See, Paul, I'm going to suffer you till you denounce God. <laughs> say, Peter, I'm going to suffer you very well till you deny Jesus. <laughs> you say, Alaye, the earlier you start, the better. Because we don't suffer behind. You cannot scare me with some things again. That's why in life, most times, you don't die twice. You know that analogy of the idea of you die only once? It applies to many things. There are some things that you suffer, you die to once. You can never die to them again. Do you understand what I just said now? 
See, there are some deaths that you need to die so that you will not die it again. You, you have a bad behavior with relationship, a lustful person. You need to die some dies where they will break your heart so that you will not die it again. Did I get what I'm saying? Some people, when they were young, they've been harassed by men, sexually harassed and sexually abused and all kinds of things. Ha! They are the ones that the Lord is going to use to champion for the other girls. Many girls coming in the future, it is through them that God will save them. They are the ones that will be able to stand and when people are trying to make it a small issue, that eh, it's just a small issue. Say, no, I know what I've gone through. This thing is a great evil and over my dead body before I allow it happen to another person. Those are the things that make us better and stronger. Our character, our hope is in our words. Character. Did you hear what I just said to you? Not only is God working on our inside to make us stronger, God is also actually working on our, on our outside, taking away evil. That's why in James chapter 5, verse 13, let's read it. We've taken that scripture for granted. James chapter 5. He says, is any one of you in trouble? Hey, let him what? Pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will do what? Raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Let's just jump to verse 17. Now it says, Elijah was a human. No, let's laugh. Let's not jump. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so, you, so that you may be what healed. The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Give us an example. How is it powerful and effective? Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So there are some times that the way God will do something inside of you is to make you stronger. That sometimes this chasing Jesus that we serve is not a God that will say, you know what, just be making it strong inside you, be strong, making you a stronger person. Do you understand? Sometimes you know you will say, take it with you. Hallelujah. You can pray and take away some things. You pray and remove some things. It's not everything that we bear. So this is the problem with the two sides of the of understanding this issue of what God does when we are going through painful things. There are those that will err to the side of God will be taking everything outside the way. That's where all this health and wealth stuff comes from. Do you understand? You confess, confess and confess, you can confess and what my, what my faith says yes, God cannot say no. So everything, God will take it away. You confess anything you want on the outside, God will take it away. That's one excess and it doesn't work. It worked to an extent, and you can use some people that, as examples that they gave their testimony that he worked for to tell other people that their lives and their own experiences are invalidated. There's something wrong with them because they don't have faith. Do you understand? I just said no. Did you hear me? But a lot of people will know and they will see that every time is not about removing the thing on the outside. Jesus is a typical example of these two things happening in a man at the same time. There were times when he was hungry and he would say, let's get food. He said, we need to go for the upper supper. He would divine provision and call. And then, entered Gethsemane. And he said, Lord, take it away. He said, Lord, I'm not taking it away. Do you hear what I just said now? Some people, if they were alive, alive today and they look at confession, confession, they would say, Jesus did not confess well enough to take away the pain. 
He said, if you can confess and pray, if you pray fervently, you can, you can, you can remove the cross, the cross. If Jesus' faith has said yes, God could not say no. Just an event you. There are some things that are meant to build you. And there are some things that are meant to be what? Taking you away. At every point in time, this is how God is taking away your pains and your sorrows. At every point in time. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? There are some things that you go through, they will not go away. You have to understand this. See, listen to me. You guys need to understand something. You need to know God for yourself. You need to understand that you don't know better than God. You need to understand that you don't know better than God. And stop assuming that God could have done something in a way because you have a better idea. Because you cannot see beyond your nose. You cannot see beyond your nose. Let me give you an analogy that just occurred to me some days ago. Because me, I'm in the house. Right? I'm praying for the sun to shine, to shine so I can charge my solar panels and charge my battery. And that person is praying that rain should fall so that everywhere can be cool and you can sleep well in the afternoon. Whose prayer should God answer? Am I not a child of God? I want solar. God, let the sun shine. And that person is saying, I want rain to fall so that it can wet my crops. Because whatever their reason, doesn't matter. It's still a good reason because that's what they want. Whose prayer will God answer? Oh yeah, God, answer. Or you will put the sun to shine on one house. What if we are neighbors in the same house? I'm on the top floor, is in the second floor. <laughs> See, there's something called the web of causality. You do not know how far the effect of some things are. You don't know how far the effect of some things is, are. You don't know the ripple effect of just hi God help me to explain this thing there's a way there's a perspective from which God is looking at this world where he can see the 1000 years effect of what you are seeing now you don't know you are just driving on the road and somebody drove anyhow and then you wound down and you say you're a bastard on my judge that's going to die and then that person says going to die and he's angry and then he's going home and he's thinking of what you just said. He said, Jesus, the question has stupid people. And in the anger, he mistakenly swerved and killed somebody. And the person that he killed is the only child of somebody in their house that there's no money in their house. And then that person, that house does not have money to eat again. And then now the entire family is now suffering because, because one person said, you're a bastard. That's just a simple analogy to make you understand. You do not understand the ripple effect of some things. That means that you have to understand that when God is doing things, you should not assume that God could have done it in a better way. Do you understand that? Don't assume that God could have done it in a better way. Don't assume. Say, God, this thing happened to me. Ah, it was an accident and all that. God, um, why could you let this happen to me? Don't see. Number one, you don't know the things that led up to that thing. And you don't know the things that will happen from that thing. If I tell you now that that bad thing that happened to you is going to lead you to a 1,000 times greater good thing that will happen, or it will lead to a 1,000 greater thing that will happen for your children, will you be angry? You, 
Because you don't know what God is doing. Church, all together. Here is the, why this question, this message is difficult. How do you know the ones you are meant to bear? And how do you know the ones that God is meant to take away? How do you know? Jerry just said now. That's why I said some time ago, philosophy, theodicy, cannot comfort you. It is the Holy Spirit that can do what? Comfort you. That's why the Allos Paracletos is not just an advocate. If you go and read the connotation of the word, it's also a comforter. It stems from something that used to happen in the Middle East back in the day, where a person messes up, right? And then an elder in the society will stand in for the person to, to solve the case. So, like maybe two boys fight and they enjoy each other. Picture Arab desert Middle East kind of place. Two boys fight and they enjoy each other, right? And then the elders, somebody that is respectable in the society, will come and stand in for this boy. Somebody that's respectable in the society will come and stand in for this boy. It is those two people that will now talk and solve it as elders so that there will not be problem. Because if they allow those boys or the society to continue to fight, you know, they will just kill each other to spoil everything. Then it's those elders that also comfort those children and say, don't worry, I'll take care of it and all that and all that and all that. That's what the Arab, Arab Paracletos were, is. He's somebody that is constantly dealing with the issues around you and is also comforting you. That is why, the reason why this teaching is very, very difficult. Why, if you try to go to one side of saying, and God will take everything away, or to say, anything that happens to you, this will just be behind it, just be behind it, God is doing it for something good. You always lead to an error. See, the true answer to this thing is, what is happening inside of you with the Holy Spirit? Hi God, if you guys understand the ministry of Kenehegi, you see this thing at work a whole lot. You have to know God for yourself. The first reason why you need to know God for yourself, the reason why you have to understand Jesus, you have to have a relationship with Jesus for yourself. One reason why it is extremely important is because, just like, look at Apostle Paul. He says, something is happening to me that I prayed to God three times to take it away. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That answer is only the answer that someone that knows God can get. If you are going to church or you are just walking about, living your life, regbe, regbe, and something's happened to you, you're not be saying, God, you don't love me. Why is this thing happening in my life? Why is this thing happening in my life? Why is this happening in my life? Based on the kind of person you are, if you're a child, you're a baby, you are going to you go to a church where they'll be telling you, the Lord will take it away tomorrow. Except God did not call me tomorrow, it is going. And it is not going. They you not go and sit and say, all these Christians are mad people, there's no God. Do you understand that? Or you go to another church where they say, no anything that's happening to you, this world is a, is a broken world. Don't pray. Let's just continue to bear it. God does not do miracles again. Continue to bear it and wait for the resurrection that is coming. Then you will not be offended. What kind of God is telling him to be suffering, 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 suffering and be bearing it? It is when you know God for yourself. When you can pray and the Holy Spirit can talk to you. And the Holy Spirit as your father will come and tell you, I am with you in this thing. The answer is always different for everybody. That's why you cannot copy and paste Christianity. That's why you cannot compare. One person is going through something and the Holy Spirit will say, my daughter, I'm with you. Just be patient. Be patient. Be patient. In a few days, it's about to change. You'll be praying sometimes God will say, this thing is gone now. Because you don't know what God is doing. You must be able to talk to God for yourself. You must be able to have an answer for yourself. 
You must be able to. Some people's um, relationships are having problems. The Holy Spirit will say, I'm going to mend it. Some people, the Holy Spirit will say, I'm going to break up, break it up. You, you will not be listening to the testimony of somebody that God broke his relationship and say, God wants this relationship to break because the problems are similar. Do you understand that? And you that you are meant to break up the relationship, you saw somebody that God fixed their relationship, you now say, ah, we're going to fix this thing. If God can do it for A, he can do it for B. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not, you know they are not the same thing. How do you know the difference between the relationship that is you should break up and the one that you should continue? How do you know the difference? It's only the Holy Spirit that can tell you. And that is why the earlier you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit for yourself, the better for you. Do you know what happens to a lot of people? A lot of people are waiting for catastrophes to happen to them before they go to God. And when they go to God, because their senses have not been exercised, they don't know what God sounds like. They don't know how God moves through them. Even when God is giving them an answer, they cannot even know that God is working. And then they'll be offended. Do you understand that? The earlier you know God for yourself, the better for you. I don't know how many people have ever gone through this thing where you are severely broke and the joy of the Lord will come upon you. Hi. When you are broke, you're in the trenches and you'll be praying and joy will come upon you. You don't know how you're going to eat and joy will come and you'll, be, and you'll just be and people will be seeing you just be walking on the road. You know, now this was not a team since yesterday afternoon and it's walking full of the joy of God. Some people are going through some things inside and the Holy Spirit has given them encouragement. Things are happening at home. Daddy and mommy are fighting. Things are happening in the family and they're just going. They're just going full of joy. And you, can, you can't tell. It's only the Holy Spirit that can do that kind of thing. Listen to me. There are two things, two major things that cause pain and suffering to be more painful for us. Number one is anger at God. And let me tell you the reason why you're angry at God. You're angry at God because you don't know God. Do you know what I just said? You are angry at God because you don't know God. That's why racism and xenophobia and all those things, they are easy when you have never met the people that you are racist against. All you need is for you to interact with them and to see that they are human beings like you. Your hate will disappear. Igbo people are this, Igbo people are that, Igbo people are that, until you fall in love with an Igbo girl. How some people are this, how some people are that, how some people are that, until how some man saves your life. The reason why you are looking at your condition and you are angry, God, why is this thing like this? Why did you let it happen like this, right? I'm not saying that those things are not bad, those things are painful things, though. those things are terrible things, though. but you need to know. God for yourself because if I am telling you that God is good and God is love right and God even if you don't understand it God is doing some things and God will compensate you in a way that you could not believe even if I'm telling you that you cannot hear until God has told you himself you cannot understand it until God has told himself there are some things that you have to experience yourself because you cannot be told some knowledge are not transferable you must experience them for yourself there are some knowledge that are not transferable. That's why some people are going through some things. Don't say, I know what I, I know what you are going through. Just shut up your mouth. Some knowledge are not transferable. You cannot transfer the knowledge of divine direction. 
until the day you can describe yellow to somebody you can never describe the comfort of the Holy Spirit to somebody you can't you must know God for yourself the second thing that makes pain more painful is when you don't have a sense of hope that's what brings depression and anxiety when you don't have hope it doesn't look like as if there's any hope in the horizon you are going through some things and you cannot even even if you try to lift up your head in that situation to look beyond yourself you can't see anything because everything is dark because hope has been taken away see the only person that can give you hope in those situations is not somebody's testimony because as you are seeing a testimony of somebody that things turned out well for you will be seeing the testimony of somebody that things did not turn out well for how many people can release what I'm saying? The only person that can give you assurance of hope is the Holy Spirit. When you are almost delusional in your belief of, of the future, you know the way, the same way a person can have anxiety disorders for no reason. And a person can have delusions. Have you seen people like that before? Right? You know it's possible to be in a mental state where you just believe that you are great. You call it mania. You just believe that you are great. I'm great. I just believe I'm great. I don't, I don't know how I'm great though. I don't have money, but I'm just great. I've seen people that are, are anxious. They're just afraid. They don't want to go out. Like, like you know, not, they have held you on your neck, your time. You cannot fall down, but you cannot still stand on the edge of that distance. You are just afraid for nothing. It is the same way the Holy Spirit can give you hope for nothing. <laughs> Do you understand what I just said now? Did you understand that what I just said now? I hope you understand it properly. The Holy Spirit can give you hope for nothing. You don't have hope. You say, yeah, I'm that child of God. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. I know that my life is great. I know that my future is bright. I know that all things work together for me. Because I'm the love God of God and I walk according to his purpose. I know that he does exceedingly abundantly above all things. I know that God is inside of me. I know. I have hope. Everything around me is saying hopeless, hopeless, but I have hope. Why do you have hope? Because I have hope. Hallelujah. See, that thing, only the Holy Spirit can do it. And the earlier you start, the better. There's no simple answer to this thing. You have to know God for yourself. You have to know God for yourself. See, there are some levels of this pain and suffering when you know God. When you'll be like the three Hebrew boys, Daniel chapter, chapter 3, 16 to 18 or thereabouts. Where they will say, Come, we're going to put you inside fire. We're going to cook you guys. You say, We know the God we serve. He's going to deliver us. But even if He doesn't deliver us, <laughs> but even if it doesn't deliver us, nothing the happen. I'm not going to bow. See, see, that place, getting to that place, eh, is after you have had a previous example where they've said they're going to kill all of you, and you and Daniel, all of you went to pray, and God opened your eyes, and you have known God for yourself. That kind of conviction only comes after you have. Do you understand? That kind of conviction only comes after you have known God. Listen to me. Every day that you go without having fellowship with God, you are setting yourself up for pain upon pain. Do you understand that? Every day that you go without prayer, 
without singing hymns, without singing in the spirit, without exercising that fellowship with God, without, listen to me, talking to God is enough prayer point on its own. Do you know what I just said now? Praying to God and having fellowship with God is enough reason to make you tarry in prayer on itself. Before we start talking about you asking for things, on its own is enough reason. See, maybe it's because of the English person to preach. Say it in pidgin. Say it in your local language. Because you think like as if God speaks English. Say it in pidgin. Say it in your local language. Say, Papa God, your boy, they come out today. Ah, this Lagos, they rough. God, help your boy. No, allow me make I rough. Just pray like that. Just pray in tongues. Let your heart be speaking pidgin. God, your boy won't understand how you feel about them. I won't understand what's in the apple. I won't understand what's in the apple. I'll go run this life where I get. I'll go run this life where I get. Oh God, this church is not do too much. My parents, they broke me to be like, I'll go just leave the God, I know what makes thing happen to me. Talk. Pray to God. Do like our parents. Go on your knees and roll before God and speak your and say, God, you know, all this, you know, speaking English and all that, you have to understand these things between you and your God. It's enough reason to pray. That is praying in the spirit. <laughs> Jude said, there are a lot of evil, there's a lot of evil happening in the world. But your own case will not be so. It's not going to be so because you're going to build yourself on your most holy faith. Praying what? In the Holy Ghost. That's what happens. You're going to build yourself up. Because you'll be praying in the Spirit. Time has gone. Let me end here. John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is what? Do you see that? Do you see that? These are people that know Jesus. This is someone that has used her hair to wash Jesus' feet. And then she said something. They said something. They said, Lord, the one that you love is what? That is a Christian. When you are going through stuff, do you know what you do? You say, Lord, the one that you love is what? Sick. Lord, your girl, Jojo, she needs help. The one that you love is sick. So, look at this. Jesus now didn't show up. The brother now died. When Jesus showed up, they were not angry. You guys don't understand what happened there. You know somebody that can raise the dead. You know, before we go that, you know someone that heals the sick regularly, regularly. And this person is your guy. And your brother now falls sick. He knows your brother too. He has come to your house and you'll be sharing word feast in your house. One of you is cooking, the other one is hearing words. Just to say, both of you better sit down and hear the word. You know this person. One of you is now sick. And it doesn't come through for you. When Jesus showed up, do you know what happened? They were not angry. They were not angry. Do you know why they were not angry? 
because they knew him. They knew him. They knew that, see, if you didn't show up, I don't doubt your love for me. If you didn't show up, you have a good reason. It's okay. I know you. That's one you see now. He says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Listen to me. There's nothing happening to you that God is not ultimately glorified in. Ah, God, I don't want to go back into talking about some things. There's nothing happening that God will not be glorified in. He says, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Lazarus. Jesus loved them and they knew. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, people look at this and just assume that Jesus was trying to flex something. As if Jesus was just trying to show himself and all that and all that. When Jesus stayed where he was, he was not staying there to play. Jesus was not just chilling and eating bread and wine and saying, boy, so waiting to happen now, waiting to chill, waiting to happen. Where he was, he was preaching. He was healing the sick and casting out demons. He was busy. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Jesus was not just praying that I don't care what they are going through. You will see the reason why we know that it's not as if he did not care. Because he got there. It's not as if he did not know he will not raise him up. He still cried. Verse 8. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime and not stumble, will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble because they have no light. I will tell you the meaning of this statement and that from the book of First John. Verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Hallelujah. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he had told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. He says, the guy is sleeping. He says, ah, Jesus, if he sleeps, he's going to say, oh God, what's wrong with you people? When I said sleep, I meant that he has died. He says, ah! He says, but don't worry. It's even good that he has died. I'm going to wake him up so that you guys can see something your eyes have never seen before. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go so that we may die with him. Because he's going back to the place where they are going to kill him, right? And I said, let us go, go, go. So that we are dying. On his arrival, Jesus found that last... You know, these are little things that make you know that these books were not concoction. It's not someone who told a lie. Because, you know when you are telling a story, there are some flashpoints in the universe that you remember. That will just make you remember the story. John must have remembered this particular event that while they were talking, John just said, right, let's, let's go, go and die with him. John said, ah, I remember that they went to the most say this thing. <laughs> On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you have been here, my brother will not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Hallelujah. Oh God. You know, I don't want to go, to go into some things. There's no time. There's no time. There was a strong consolation that the early church had. 
that made them go through the things that they went through in severe suffering. You hear some things. You hear some things like as if God abandoned them. The same people that Jesus said go and preach the gospel. Some things will happen to them like as if God just abandoned them. People will be, you know, people will be despising them, abusing them, killing them, persecuting them, taking away their property, killing their wives, enslaving their children. All those people went through so many things. So many things. Christian women in those days being raped by Roman soldiers to death. It's like as if God, where are you? You are the one that sent us to do this thing. How can you just be looking at us like this? You now read First Peter. First Peter will say, see, I know you guys are suffering, but it is for a while because it is making your faith stronger because there is something coming. A glory greater than everything. Yesterday night, in the middle of the night, I had a vision. Thank God I did not forget to share it with you. This was the things that, these were the kind of things that were consoling them. So the kind of things that were consoling them. Yesterday I just had a vision of walking in the field with my wife. But I know we're not married, but I don't know how the vision came like that, but we esteemed the vision. And you know, on a field. And the cloud was clear. And the field was like on top of a mountain. Green grass. The skies were clear and there was light. There was no sun. There was no moon. The, the cloud was just clear like one kind of blue crystal glass. And the air was just so clean and perfect. And I just knew that in this world, I can never fall sick. I just knew that I can. nobody can ever steal my property. I just knew that this place that we were was just blissful. If that thing I saw last night is a picture of my heavenly consolation, and I'm sure I didn't even see it fully. If that is just a small picture of it, ah, we die here. Oh. There's nothing you can do to me. Oh. I want that thing. There's a time that is coming where there will never be pain nor sorrow. All the pain you are going through now, eh? you can bank on one thing that it is not going to be forever. And the time is coming when you are going to be in a place in an eternal presence with the Father. No pain, no suffering, no sorrow, nothing like that again. Just vibes in the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. See, that hope was, in, was enough to hold the believers through it. That even when those things were happening to them, all those evil, all those great evil was happening to them, they held on to that picture. And they knew that everything that was happening was worth it. Church, I was together. So that's why Mary said what she said. She said, I know that I have the resurrection on the last day. Hallelujah. So Jesus now said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Says, do you believe this? Ha! She said, yes, Lord, I believe. Do you believe you will never die? Do you believe you will never die? So, not only in this world is Jesus taking away your pain and sorrow by walking inside of you and walking around you. You also have a consolation. I will never die. Nothing is happening in this world that, is, that, that can make me forget what I have ultimately. And verse 28, she said, she went back and called her sister Mary and the teacher is here. 
as she said, and he's asking for any. Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus, you know, and Jesus had not heard the lamb, had not, had not heard enter the village, but still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house were comforting and noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was in the tomb, going to the tomb to mourn. And Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him and fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you led him? He said, come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Listen to me. There is nothing you are going through that Jesus is indifferent about. Do you understand me? There is nothing you are going through. His omniscience does not make him indifferent. Where he was, he knew when Lazarus was sick. Was sick. He knew when Lazarus had died. Nothing in that story surprised him. Yet he wept. Do you understand that? See, all the evil that has gone, that has happened to you, it's not as if God does not care. While all those things were happening, God was in that pain, so to speak, with you. God knew exactly what you were going through. He was he's moved with compassion. He's not a high priest that doesn't know what you are going through, but he knows exactly what you are going through. He's feeling how you feel. He knows what you are going through. See, deadheadness feeling of God does not care about me and God has abandoned me. See, just dead that feeling. What me I'm telling you now is that if you can just lift up your, high, your head and give Jesus your hand, if you can just lift up your head and give Jesus your hand, just throw yourself at him. Throw yourself at him. Hold his hand. Hold his hand. Hold his hand. You will see his power in your life. Should I get what I'm saying to you? Did you hear that I just said to you? Hold his hand. Hold his hand. Hold his hand till the end. 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 Hold, start from now. Start from now. Start to know the Lord for yourself. Start to acquaint yourself with the words and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Start to acquaint yourself with the voice of the Holy Spirit. When evil comes, you will be strong and you will be able to stand. God will turn things that happen around you. He will turn it around for the good that you can never imagine. I guarantee you of that. Peter will say that you should hold on to your faith because of the glory and the redemption that is coming. But guess what? We also have the Holy Spirit who is a foretaste of things to come. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? He's the foretaste of that bliss that we shall see after now. That's why I also know that even now the Holy Spirit is doing something in your life. If you can just believe me. If you can just believe me. If you can just believe what God is saying. He's doing something in your life. You cannot understand it, but God is not your mate. You cannot understand how he's doing it, but God is not your mate. He is turning things around. Hold his hand. Don't add pain to your pain. Let Jesus take away your sorrow. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So what do you do when something happens that is not good? What do you do when something happens that is not good? You hold the hands of Jesus in prayer, in worship, in singing the Spirit, in singing in hymns. That's why we have a choir. Every Sunday, week in, week out. Guys, this is something you should also do, right? Every time you have a song, you get an inspiration of a song, put it on the group, right? Or you, you hear a song that if you bless us, put it on the group, let us all go and listen to it. You understand? You listen to, you sing songs. You sing songs in the spirit. You know, all those kinds of things. You stay there. You stay in fellowship. Listen to me. Every time you run away from fellowship with God because something bad has happened, you are just compounding your problems. You are compounding your problems because there's no better answer outside. I'm telling you. Don't go and suffer before you realize this. Me, I've been there. So I can tell you, there's no better outside answer outside. Rejecting God is only going to add to your suffering. Because the pain is not going away. And now you have to deal with nihilism. And it says that your life is meaningless. There is no answer anywhere in any of those other religions. I'm telling you. Hold his hand. And stay with him until the end. Until you see the deliverance. Until you see your deliverance. If anyone is among you is sick. We pray. We'll keep praying until we see the healing. Until we see the deliverance. Do you understand that? There are some things that we don't even bear. If a demon is around you, see, you hold the hand of the Lord and we cast them out. Hallelujah. If you are going through things in your family, you are going through things in your work, you are going through all those kinds of things, you hold the hand of the Lord and let him carry you through. That's why David, in his, in, you know, inspired of the Holy Ghost, he said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you are with me. Do you understand that? There is always a value of the shadow of death. What is important is knowing that the Lord is with you. You will pass through and come out on the other side. The presence of the value of the shadow of death is not proof that God is not with you. Do you understand that? Do you hear what I just said? It's not proof that God is not with you. Terrible things could happen. It does not mean that God is not with you. Reject all those ideas and all those theology that says that um, it is people that are strong in faith that bad things are not happening to because they can confess it away. And the bad things are happening to you, your faith is not. It's wrong! It is wrong! See, the reason why you fail sick or your mother fails because her faith is not strong is not true. You fail sick because you're a human being. It's the value of the shadow of death. But we'll hold the hand of the Lord and we'll come out through on the other side. Hallelujah. My family members have betrayed me. They've done evil to me. All kinds of evil has happened. See, we'll hold the hand of the Lord. And we'll come out on the other side. Don't walk through the valley of the shadow of death alone. It will add to your pain and suffering in that place. It will add to the evil. It will make Satan protract your suffering. It will make the suffering to be unnecessary. Hold the hand of the Lord and come out. See, nothing, there's nothing. Oh God, I remember those years ago during the Sharia crisis. Thank God for my parents and the godly heritage they gave us. Now, in retrospect, all the things they used to annoy me before sometimes, I remember some things and they just, I forgive them. Because when you think of some things, during the Sharia crisis, when the Muslims were going around killing all the Christians, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my father where he was in the office and said, if you don't stand up where you are now, you will never see your children again. And he got up from the office and began to run to go and pick my siblings in school. If you understand, Cardinal, I can't tell you the distance. See, the distance that they walked, walking over dead bodies through fires and burning cars. My mom was at home. When my, my dad came back with my siblings, me, I was in school. 
When my dad came back, I said my mom saw them. We just collapsed and started crying. Lost everything. Lost the house. We just ran away. Ah! Came home one day and the mob had come to come and slaughter my father. It was a Muslim man that saved him. That's the day they knew that he had to leave. Many times they came and tried to throw fire to burn the house. The fire did not catch fire. Left everything and went back to the village to start all over. But we are here today. <laughs> Hallelujah. It took a while. Oh my God, I almost feel like crying. It took a while. When you think about it, it, it was, you know, there were decades where it was like as if people that were comfortable before and now we live in the village with severe poverty and all those decades, like as if nothing was happening. God, when would this story change? So every morning devotion, praying, God, you can do something, you can do something, you can do something. But my parents never, they never lost their faith in God. Every day till my father will pray every single day that I know God is about to do something for literally decades. You know, then we looked at this man. What is wrong with this man? The man never let go of his faith in God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, oh God. So, see, we'll hold his hand till the end. I get what I'm saying to you. Will hold his hand till the end. Will hold his hand. Some things will happen. You will not remember the reason why God put the guard, the tree of the garden of good and evil. You will not remember. The only thing that will keep you is that you have held on to the Holy Spirit. Nothing, whatever it is, as long as you are holding the Holy Spirit, you will come out on the other side. Sure, I just said. As long as you hold on to Him, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.